Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. You know, there's power in lingering. Someone say lingering. In lingering longer than we have to. And one of the passages we actually talked about on a Wednesday night in our student ministry, but I've been so uh, just uh, captured by is this passage in Luke 24. And it's about these two guys who were on this road, the road to Emmaus, and they're walking and they're talking about the things that, that were happening, uh, the crucifixion, the resurrection of Jesus. And the Bible says they didn't even realize it was him, but Jesus showed up. By the way, here's power, the, the, uh, the importance of being in a connect group, of surrounding yourself with godly people and having conversations, talking about the things of God. Jesus just shows up and he, he begins to speak to them and talk to them. And, and I've been captured by this point in this passage where the Bible indicates that Jesus is like, all right, well, hey, it's been a good talk. It's been a good walk. I've enjoyed going on the river walk with you and looking at the Catawba River. It's, it's, it's been a good time. I'll see you later. And, and the Bible indicates that Jesus was perfectly content to move on. But the Bible says these two men, they constrained him. They said, no, 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 no. Don't, don't um, I, so maybe just share a meal with us. And the Bible says as they constrained him, and as they begin to dine with him, that their eyes were opened. I wonder how much we miss that God wants to do. I wonder how much we miss that God wants to show us. I wonder how much freedom, breakthrough, revelation, how much of the power and the presence of God we miss because we're in a hurry. We are hurried Christians, are we not? We live busy lives and we are hurried and we're moving from thing to thing. And uh, it's, it's a bother on our schedule to have to linger any longer than we have to. Can I just encourage you? I think you should linger longer than you have to. I think you should wait more than maybe is comfortable. By the way, that some of it is we're uncomfortable waiting. We're uncomfortable lingering. We're uncomfortable without noise. We're uncomfortable just because of the culture we live in. But the Bible tells us there is power in waiting upon the Lord. Someone said amen. Amen to that. Well, if you have a Bible this morning, go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. Uh, while you're turning there, look at your neighbor and just ask him, did you have your coffee this morning? Come on, ask him, did you have your coffee, your cup of tea, whatever you need? Uh, I'm, I'm feeling the 9 a.m., you know, it's a little bit, a little bit sluggish, and I assure you I've had too much coffee today, and I'm feeling a little bit jit, jittery, and I'm feeling ready to go. Uh, but 2 Corinthians 13, 14, we're in a series right now that we've been in for the last number of weeks called Living an Empowered Life, Living an Empowered Life. And we've been talking about the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I just say that you and I, we are more desperate for the Holy Spirit than we realize. We are more desperate for the power and the person of the Holy Spirit in our lives than we, than we realize. The Holy Spirit is not just a part 
of the Christian life, not just a part of the life of, of, of a believer, just not a part of a certain denomination or a belief system, but the person of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit is an essential part of the life of every believer. We're leaving something on the table. We're missing something when we don't recognize, oh, no, I have a need. I have a desperation for the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. And Pastor Gil, the last two weeks, has been talking about how for so many Christians, we have a uh, misunderstanding or, or maybe just a lack of understanding of really who he is and what he's come to do. And uh, we know that in every, you know, group of believers, there's probably people in, in different categories. Not to categorize you, but there's people that you are zealous and hungry for the things of the Spirit of God. You're like, I want to speak in tongues. I want every gift. I want every prophecy. God, if you're offering it, I want it. Like, I want the Golden Corral buffet version of it. Lay it on me. And then you got people over here that are like, ah, actually, um, you're the reason that I don't go to that church anymore because I'm just... I'm a little bit timid, I'm a little bit afraid, I'm a little bit unsure and uneasy, not because my heart isn't open, but maybe I've just had a bad experience. Maybe I actually didn't grow up in that kind of environment and I've actually had, had teaching that actually cautioned me the other direction. I'm not really sure. And then maybe where most of us live is there's those people in the middle that I'm open and I, I know that I need the Holy Spirit, but let's just call it what it is. We're a little bit apathetic. I think I need him. I know I need him. Uh, intellectually, I, I understand it, but life is pretty good. Life's pretty easy. And even when I go through tough times, I've kind of figured out a way to manage and make it through. And so I actually don't think I need all of that. And really the heart of the series is that going to the word of God. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful we have a senior pastor who is committed to the word of God. And more than your opinion or my opinion, you know, opinions, you can have them. They just don't matter that much when they stack up against the word of God. We want to know what does the Bible say? I know what your grandma said and I know what so-and-so said, but what does the Bible say? And the heart of this series is really going back to scripture and saying, all right, from the beginning, line upon line, let's learn. Let's talk about who is the person of the Holy Spirit. Why did Jesus say that we need him? Why did Jesus say, I'm, I'm making you a promise, I'm gonna send him to you and you gotta wait. Don't go anywhere until you receive this person, this power. Why is it that we need that and how do I understand it in a way that actually makes sense to me? And the heart of the series is that no matter where you are today, whether you are a golden corral, zealous, let's go, or you're over here like, I don't know, actually, I'll just take a, you have the buffet, I'll just take a smoothie or a green juice, uh, wherever you are, that we would grow from the scripture and we would learn and we would take steps forward in having good understanding that, that's applicable to our life so we can live in the fullness of the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. Someone said amen. Two things I want to make mention of before we jump into today's teaching. Uh, number one is resources. There's no possible way, unless we're all committed to stay here until 8 p.m. every Sunday night, and I'm all about lingering longer than we have to, um, but that's lingering longer than I want to, if I'm going to be honest. 
And uh, because we, time, time does not afford us to recap every single sermon and talk about everything we have talked about, uh, I want to encourage you that you would grab some of these resources. The first one is just this workbook. Uh, Pastor Gil has put so much energy and effort into creating these workbooks. They're very comprehensive. Um, it's a great individual just study of the scripture of every single sermon uh, that we're preaching and he's preaching. Would encourage you to get one of the workbooks to go to use it. Would encourage you to get in a connect group to use the podcast use our YouTube channel and to personally lean into what we're talking about and uh, personally believe God that he's going to speak to you and he's going to show up right where you are. Uh, Secondly, I want to remind you that uh, we are every single week, we're taking the key scripture and we're memorizing it. We're meditating on it, meditating on it, and, and, and we're praying it. Now, here's one of the things that the Bible says that revelation, someone say revelation. Revelation comes from meditation. I don't mean finding a good rock by a river you can post up on, sit Indian style, and make some humming noises. Meditation is just, it, it, it's chewing on it. It's thinking about it. It's rehearsing it. It's memorizing it. What, what does the psalmist say in Psalm 119? I've hidden your word in my heart that, that I might live according to, to your ways. How can a young man cleanse his way? Or how can one walk according to God's ways? By getting God's word in their heart. And so we're taking the key scripture And we're saying we're going to pray it, we're going to memorize it, we're going to get it in our heart and pray it over our family, over our life, over our church. And so week one, Acts chapter one, verse eight, uh, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Uh, Last week, 2 Corinthians 3, 17, uh, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so I'd encourage you, if you haven't, if you're like me, that you have great intentions, but you haven't fully leaned into that yet and you haven't hit the mark every day, Today's a new day. The mercy, the compassion of the Lord, the, uh, the, the grace of God is available. And so just pick, pick it up right, right where we are and uh, go back and grab those scriptures. Can, can you just imagine, by the way, and then we'll, we'll get to the, the sermon, I promise. Can you just imagine if at the end of these 12 weeks, just because you, you every day took this little scripture, they're not hard, they're not long, they're not laborious, and you memorized them and you prayed them. Can you imagine in 12 weeks, having 12 scriptures about the person, the power of the Holy Spirit, not only memorized, but, but in your heart in a way that he's able to give you continual revelation, continual understanding, continual awareness, so you can keep, there's power in getting the word in our heart. And so I would encourage you that you would join us in that. That being said, today we're continuing in our series talking about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Title of the sermon simply is that, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And I ask you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. It's where we're gonna start today. It is our key scripture of the week. The apostle Paul is writing and he says this, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all, amen. Read it one more time. He says the grace, someone say grace. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God. Someone say love. And the love of God and the communion. You can translate that word fellowship and the communion, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, amen. Men, you, you, you may be aware of this as you turned in your Bible this morning, uh, but 2 Corinthians 13, 14 is the concluding scripture in the concluding chapter 
of 2 Corinthians. These are his final words in this letter. How many of you know that final words, they hold a little bit more weight? That concluding words, they're kind of important. For example, how weird, how inappropriate, how awkward would it be if I got to the end of the sermon this morning and we did our last point and I read the last scripture and said, all right, well, see you later. You'd be like, that, 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 felt, that felt kind of odd, kind of inappropriate. Oh, he's the pastor's son. Oh, that makes so much more sense. Pastor's kids, they need so much prayer. It, 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 it would be, pastor's kids get a bad rap. And I'll be honest, some of that's true. Um, but but it, it, it would be weird. It'd be inappropriate. Why? Because the concluding words are supposed to matter. See, because concluding words, what they are supposed to do is summarize and capitalize on everything that has been said so that the reader or the listener, that they can not only kind of connect all the dots and remember everything and put it all together, but that they have something that leaves a lasting imprint and directs them forward. The Apostle Paul, his concluding words in this chapter, in this book, are I'm praying for you, my desire for you, my heart for you, is that you would continue in. You'd be strong in. You'd be confident and constant in the grace of our Lord Jesus. Brandon, what is the the, the grace of our Lord Jesus? The grace of God, it's the unearned, undeserved, unmerited love, blessing, and favor that has freely been poured upon you. Not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus has done. We won't turn there, but you could go to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It says, therefore, by grace, you've been saved. Not of your own works, lest anyone should boast. Can I just encourage you today? You gotta take the pressure off your shoulders because you are not saved. You are not loved by God. You do not have God's hand on your life because you do good things. You, you don't have God's hand and grace and favor on your life because you get it right all the time and you never, that's, that, that's, that's not the gospel that we've given ourselves to. No, the Bible says we've been saved by grace. I love Romans 5, one through two, one of my favorite scriptures. Romans five says this, therefore by faith, we have been declared right with God and are at peace with him and are standing in the grace of our Lord Jesus. Can I just tell you today that God's grace is on your life? I I don't care if you feel it. I don't care if you're aware of it. Let me just tell you the reality is the moment you gave your life to Jesus, the grace of our Lord Jesus, it's all over you. The the, the Bible says you're standing in it. You're, You're praying, go, God, I need grace. And God's going, look down because you're standing in it. It is the reality of every believer that the grace of our Lord Jesus is upon us and we are standing in it. I love Romans because it says you have full access by faith. See, some of you, you're just not accessing it because you don't realize you have it. And so you don't have faith to receive it or access it. But the reality is the grace of God is upon you. Paul says, I want you to be strong and confident and constant in the grace of our Lord Jesus and in the love of God. Can I tell you today, you're loved by God. The Bible says more than you possibly can understand intellectually and really make sense, you are loved by God. In fact, you're so loved by God. 
John 3, 16, one of the most fa famous Bible verses of every football game. By the way, did your team win yesterday? Every, every college foot, all the fans are like, yes, we did. And the other ones are like, no, it's why I was at the altar this morning. I just don't know why we're not. But John 3, 16 says, God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son. I love 1 John 4, 19, because it says, this is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us. God does not love you because you love him. God loved you before you even acknowledged him, before you even knew or were aware. Romans 5, 8 says, God, he proved, he demonstrated, he made manifest his love for all of us in the fact that while we were still sinners, while we had not even had revelation or we didn't, we didn't even know about God, that he sent his son Jesus at the right time. Paul writes in Romans 8, 38 and 39 that there is nothing. Can I tell you this morning? There is nothing that can separate you from God's love. Some of you, you think you're a bigger deal than you actually are. Because you, because you think you actually like hold weight in heaven that you can separate yourself from, from God's love. You're not that big of a deal, my friend. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Paul goes, no height, no depth, no, no width, no, no created thing. There's nothing that can cause you to be separated from this love that is all-consuming. And Paul says, okay, here, here's the deal. I want you guys, my heart, my will, my desire I want you to be strong and confident and constant in the grace of our Lord Jesus and in the love of God. And for many of us, we're like, sounds good, man. Like absolutely 100%. All right, who wants Red Bull? And, and, and we're okay to stop right there, but Paul didn't stop right there, did he? See, see what, 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 what occurs to me is that having an understanding of of God's love or a revelation of God's love and of the grace while we need it. And in certain areas of our life, it helps us to make decisions and live with confidence. It, it doesn't help us put, put one foot in front of the other and live out and do and be everything God wants us to be. I'll give you an example. I have a awareness slash um, I am convinced that I am the son of Gil and Debbie Dearman. You can't, you can't convince me. I got too many pictures and too many photo albums that my grandma has saved. I got too much evidence. I know I'm the son of Gil and Debbie Dearman. And I know that my mom and dad love me. However, while that directs where I go to Thanksgiving and Christmas and it gives me some confidence in areas, it, it doesn't help me necessarily every single day like be a better husband or a better dad. There's things that I can draw from it. There's confidence that I can find in it, but, but it's not enabling me to do anything. And what I think we, we should acknowledge is that having a revelation of, man, I, I'm, the grace of God is upon me. Thank you, God, that your grace is upon me and I'm a child of the most high God in whom you are well pleased. You love me. While knowing that and having revelation of that, while it does give us confidence in some areas, it in itself is not sufficient for you to put one foot in front of the other and every day be and do and live in and live out the purpose and plan of God for your life, which is why, which is why we, we fall short sometimes. 
which is why sometimes we, we go, this thing doesn't add up. Because I'm like doing all the steps and still I'm not getting the result the Bible is saying that I'm supposed to be getting. And it's because we forget that Paul didn't stop there. Paul said, First, uh, 2 Corinthians 13, 14, he said, I want you to be strong, confident, constant in the grace of our Lord Jesus and the love of God. But I want you to be strong, confident, and constant in the communion, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. He says, may the grace of Jesus be with you. May the love of God consume you. And may you live in constant communion and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. That word fellowship is a word uh, koinonia in the Greek that actually it predates the, the New Testament. And this word, word koinonia, really important that we kind of get this definition. It describes two lives. How many lives? Two lives that are woven together for a common purpose. Someone say common purpose. Okay, really important this morning. Let that, let that phrase sink in. Common purpose, common purpose, common purpose. Because koinonia describes two lives that have been woven or brought together close for a common purpose. Let me just pause. It's not in your workbook, but let me just pause for a second and let's acknowledge this. There is a purpose and a plan of God for your life. And, and I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. It is, it is not making more money. It doesn't have to do with zeros in the bank account. It's, it's not about career achievement and accolade. It, it, it is not about just making memories and having fun and, you know, just making the most of every day. While there is some merit to that, it is not the purpose and plan of God for, for your life. Bible says this, Ephesians 2.10, for we are the workmanship. We're the masterpiece creation of God. And we've been born again in Christ Jesus for, someone say for, for good works which were prepared and determined beforehand. It kind of helps us to make sense of like Jeremiah 1, 4 through 5 and Psalm 139, where, where the Bible says, before you were even conceived in your mother's womb, God knew you. You, you, might, not, you might not feel today like you're known. Can I tell you, you've been known before you were even conceived in your mother's womb. So before you were born, God knew you. And not only did he know you, but he set you apart. And, and he ordained or put purpose and plan on your life. This is why Jesus says in Matthew 6, he goes, listen, please don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. Sometimes like we, we read the Bible and we just read it with the tone we think. And, and I don't know what tone Jesus said that in, but I don't hear it in like a stern command. Young man, come here. What are you doing with your life? Nothing, that's my point. Do not store up. I, I kind of hear it in like this really, like not casual, but this, this friend kind of a tone like, hey man, can I encourage you to stop storing up for yourself treasures here? Why? Because they don't last 
They don't actually bring the fulfillment you think they do, but they don't last. They moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. Whatever you accumulate, it's temporary, but rather give your life to a higher purpose. Store up for yourselves treasures on earth. The purpose, the plan of God for our life, it is to come into alignment and to co-labor or be a part of this great co-mission to say, God, I want my whole life to be leveraged to see souls saved and disciples made. God, the point of my existence, now that I've given you my whole heart, is to turn around and freely I've received, so now freely I wanna give. Paul goes, as much as is in me, I wanna pour it out. God, I want my whole life to be leveraged to see people who are far from you come to know Jesus. God, I want my whole life to be leveraged that that people that you're bringing into my circle, that I'm actually being used to help them grow and, and, and know you more and experience more of your love and your goodness and your power. This is the purpose for our lives. What if we recognize that our occupation was simply the location? that God's placed us to live out this great purpose and plan. That that living out the purpose and plan of God for our life doesn't mean we go put in our two weeks notice tomorrow, we sell it all, get a camper, and go on the road for Jesus. It's not what it means. It's, It's recognizing, God, you've actually placed me intentionally in this company, in this job, in this school, in this family. You're changing me. God, you're so good. You're, you're literally transforming my life. And now my life is no longer just trying to get ahead. My life is saying, God, how can I be used by you to reach people and show people your love? Help hurting people find what they're actually looking for. This is the purpose. Now, it's important that we stop and kind of, you know, sidebar because remember koinonia, it's two lives being woven together for a common purpose, Again, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but that's not your purpose, it's his. The Holy Spirit hasn't been been sent or given to us so we can live out our American dream. And I actually know it's, he, he has come that we might have what we need to live out his purpose. This, this word koinonia, it, it kind of paints, it's what we're gonna talk about for the remainder of our time, the, these three different elements of of fellowship or communion. And the first one, if you're taking notes, is this, it's intimacy. It's intimacy. This fellowship, this communion, this koinonia, it it brings us into greater intimacy with God. In each of these points, we're gonna kind of look at an example that it's not directly related to the Holy Spirit, but it paints a picture for us. And if you got a Bible or in your workbook, you can go to Galatians 2.9. And Paul Paul says this, and when James, Cephas, who is Peter, and when James, Peter, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Um, This word right hand of fellowship, it doesn't just mean like a casual greeting. The right hand of fellowship was not one of the, you know, one of the ushers or the greeters. Remember back before COVID or maybe longer, we had bulletins. Remember church bulletins? You, you know what I miss most about church bulletins? The restaurants that you get a free drink with a church bulletin. I've been, I've been tempted to swing by a, a, another church on my way home to get a bulletin so I can get, get a free drink. But it, it's not just a, hey, so good to have you here. here here's a, 
But, but the, this phrase, the right hand of fellowship, it's, it's the opening of an intimate circle and inviting one in. See, what you might not realize is that uh, Peter, James, and John, they had a bond that was exclusive almost in nature. Peter, James, and John, these are the three disciples that Jesus pulled closest to him. The, the, other, the other ones were here, and he's pulling them closest to him. Peter, James, and John, Peter in particular, are the ones that God used to birth the New Testament church. The, the, these were, uh, elite would probably be, be an inappropriate word because it's not that they were better than, but, 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 but they were being used at a higher level. And they had such this, I mean, this is almost 25, 30 years now by the time Paul writes this. They had this bond of, of closeness and connection. They weren't just letting anyone into this circle. But Paul, Paul writes, when Peter, James, and John, when they could perceive, I love it, Galatians 2.9, put it up again, when, when, they could, when they could perceive and they could see the grace that had been given to me. When, when they perceived and they saw, man, just like, just like us, God's put his grace on this man. And just like us, that God is, has, is using us, has used us to reach a whole population, if you will, with the gospel. He's given this man grace to reach people that we actually haven't reached and can't reach because it's not the grace that's on our life. That when they perceived that, they opened this intimate circle. Do you, do you know what it shows us and what it gives us a great picture of what the Holy Spirit does for you and I? Let's for a second just, just use this as an example. Um, th there is no greater unity, uh, uh, closeness, uh, exclusive connection and bond than, than the Trinity. I mean, Peter, James, and John were together for like 30 plus years, but I mean, God's been together for forever. God the Father, Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. And, and part of what Koinonia shows us is that because you are now the son, the daughter of God. Be, because you're not just on the outside. No, you were born into the family. Because you are now a son, a daughter of God. Because God's grace is now on your life. The Holy Spirit, he extends to you and I the right hand of fellowship and opens this intimate circle up for you and I to be a part of. I love this, John 15, 15. Listen to what Jesus says. John 15, 15, Jesus speaking to his guys. He said, no longer do I call you servants. Sometimes we, we, we misstep because I think I'm just a servant of God. Oh, I'm just a servant of the most high. We're serving him. But Jesus said, actually, I don't call you servants. No longer do I call you servants for a servant, listen to this, doesn't know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I'm making known to you. John 16, 14, I love this. Jesus speaking of the Holy Spirit says, he will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. He's, he's gonna bring you into this inner circle and declare what is mine to you. I think one of the greatest pictures of this, 1 Corinthians 2, 9, we're gonna read through verse 12. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, 
nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, even the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man, which is in him, even so no one knows the things of God. No one knows the things of God. No one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. Why? That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. See, when Paul says that I want you to be strong, confident, constant in fellowship and communion with and of the Holy Spirit, part of it is because he wants to bring us into intimacy with God. Number two, write this down. This word koinonia, it speaks of partnership. One of the examples we have that kind of just paints a really good picture is um, actually in Luke chapter five, I believe it is. Luke chapter five, it says this, for he and all those who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners, someone say partners, who were partners with Simon and G, with Simon and Jesus said to Simon do not be afraid from now on you will catch men let me catch you up real quick Luke chapter 5 Jesus he he asked Peter hey could I use your boat use my boat I just I just got this thing painted what do you mean you want to use my boat I just I just you come with me but just push out a little bit from, from the shore and and I want to use it so I can so I can speak to the people so Jesus gets done speaking and he says hey Peter Let's, let's, put, let's put down the nets. And Peter's like, Jesus, um, I know you want to like live out your um, you know, greatest catch. Uh, what's that show about them in Alaska? Uh, the greatest catch wild. I, I know you're trying to live out that greatest catch fantasy, but this is not a good time for fishing, actually. We've been fishing all night. We came up zero empty-handed. He says, no, just, just let the nets out. And Peter, because he's, he's being kind of, okay, we'll let out a net. The Bible says Peter lets down that net and catches so many fish, the nets were breaking and the boats were sinking. And Peter calls to James and John, by the way, who, who upon calling Peter to follow him, he would call James and John to follow him, which gives us even greater uh, insight into this exclusivity of their relationship. For Peter, James, and John, they were partners long before they were partners with Jesus in his great commission. The Bible goes that Peter, James, and John, they, they're, they're out there, and, and it says that he called his partners. That word partners, actually, I'll read it to you from my notes. That word partners, the definition of it in the original language, it means this. It means uh, one who is in a, a real or a legitimate business partnership, working together on the same job with the same purpose as a, as a unified team. So this word partnership is not just like, you know, your friends that help you move. It's not, it's not just someone that's helping you, you know, to fix your lawn because it's fall and we're going to oversee this. It, it refers to someone who's in a, an agreement. It's a legitimate legal business partnership where I'm with you and we have a, remember, common purpose. 
Do you know why for so many of us that we feel ill-equipped and unable to really make a difference for, for God? Because we haven't realized we have a partner in the Holy Spirit. Do you know why we feel afraid and unable and timid to share the gospel and speak God's word? Because we think that we're flying solo. Do you know why we have inclinations that we want to pray for someone or we want to encourage someone or we want to take a big step and, but we, we, we just can't? It's because we forgot that we have a partner and we're trying to do this thing solo. See, we have to realize koinonia speaks to common purpose. And again, the purpose and plan for our, of God for our life, it's not the American dream, it's reaching people and seeing people come to know Jesus. And koinonia speaks and it shows us God has given us his spirit as a partner, legitimate partner that is with us, co-laboring and, and, and walking with us hand in hand. I love this, Acts chapter 1. Verse, verse four, we, re, we read this week one, but listen to this. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. Well, hold on, Jesus, you just gave us the great commission. You just said we're to go into all, he goes, no, 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 no. Like, but, but don't go until, until you wait. Don't, don't go until you linger. Don't go until you wait. He says, wait for the promise of the father, which he has said, you've heard from me. Why do we need to wait? I'm ready to go now. Why can't I go now? Verse eight, he says, because you shall receive power, enablement, dunamis power, enablement you do not have on your own, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit is, is our partner. He is the one that enables us and empowers us and comes alongside to give us partnership and help and aid and power. We do not have in our own ability that we may fulfill his purpose. I, I love a couple of different references. Acts chapter three, verse six. I love this story. It says, then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I love this story because here's Peter. By the way, Peter is freshly filled with the Holy Spirit. Just side note, the, the church wasn't birthed in, in, until the people of God were filled with the Spirit of God. 3,000 people didn't get saved because Peter was a good preacher. 3,000 people were saved in a moment because Peter was filled with the Spirit of God. 3,000 people weren't weren't birthed in, in, into the church and didn't come together in a supernatural way that caused the world to turn their head because of a good church experience, be, because they had good social media or they had good lights or they played good music. It was because they were filled with the spirit of God. And so here's Peter, James and John, freshly full of the spirit of God, walking with their partner walking with the Holy Spirit in communion, in fellowship. And here, here's a man who, who is lame from, from birth. And he says, I, I, I need some money. And, and Peter stops. I, I would have to imagine that it was probably because his partner, the Holy Spirit, said, hey, stop. Get, get, talk to this man. Hey, I, I, I need money. I don't, I, don't have, I don't have 
Have you ever checked your pockets, even though you know there's nothing in there? It's like, oh man, I don't, you know what? I thought I had a, oh man, I, I must have left that at home. I'm so sorry. I'll have to get you next time. It's like, hey, do you, do you want to buy Girl Scout cookies? Oh, I would love to. Oh, I'm so sorry. I don't have my wallet. Didn't you just come out of the grocery store? Yeah, I um, These were free. Um, he goes, I don't, I, money I don't have. But what I do have, I can give to you. Freely I've received, so freely I can, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. That wasn't Peter. That wasn't Peter's power. Let's just circle back. It wasn't Peter that had this great idea. It was his partner. I'm helping you to live out the purpose and plan I have for your life. It wasn't Peter's boldness. Come on, Peter in his right mind is not going, you know what, let's, let's try this. No, it, it was the spirit of God saying, I wanna heal this man. This, this man thinks he needs money, he doesn't need money. What he thinks he needs is not really what he needs. What he needs is what you have. Can I tell you, there's a lot of need in our world and most of it, people think they need what they do not need. And we hold what people really need. Not a believer, not following Jesus, not maybe even aware. And yet Peter goes, you know what? I don't, I don't have what you think you need, but I have what you need. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, That's the spirit of God enabling, empowering, emboldening, and working through Peter. We know this because time and time again in the New Testament, the the, the apostles, the, the, the church would do stuff like this and people would go, oh my gosh, it's Peter. We bow to you. And Peter would go, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, this is awkward, man. We're just like, you're gonna mess up your new robe. Get up, man. I'm just like you. I didn't heal anybody. I didn't save anybody. Oh, no, you, 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 you've misunderstood. It's not me, man. I'm just a normal guy. See, I was a fisherman, and Jesus found me. I made a lot of mistakes. Funny story, I denied him three times on the day he was fulfilling the prophecies that we've all been waiting for. Like, I'm a wreck, man. It's not me. But Jesus found me, and he saved me, and he called me, and he's given me his spirit. And that's why I, he is our partner. I love this last scripture we'll look at, Luke chapter 12, verse 11. Jesus said, now when they bring you to the synagogues and magistrates and authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer. How much anxiety have you felt in recent days trying to have the right answer? Brandon, th- things are heating up at my job. And I just, I'm, I'm just really stressed about what I'm gonna say. She just goes, oh, oh, no, 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 don't. Don't worry or stress about what you're gonna say or how it's gonna happen for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. I, I wonder if sometimes we misstep and, and we feel unable to really fulfill the purpose and plan and, and be used by God and see soul-saving disciples made because we're spending time trying to formulate the right answer and the right method rather than spending time just lingering and waiting for him 
Holy Spirit, there's no way that I can, can come up with the right words in the right way to, but, but you're my partner. And, and part of this koinonia, this fellowship, this communion that I have with you is that you're, you're actually right next to me. And just, just like Peter was like, we're sunk the boats are sinking, the nets are breaking. And just like James and John, the, his partners came to, you come running to my aid and you rescue me, you help me, you empower me, you embolden me, you give me words to say, you give me ideas and thoughts that, that as I say yes to the supernatural power of God, God I, you're my partner. What if we spent less time trying to figure it out and more time just saying, Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, sensitize me. Holy Spirit, help me to walk in step with you. Which leads, leads us to our last point, number three, that this word koinonia, it speaks to responsibility. Responsibility. Philippians chapter four, <clears throat> Philippians chapter four, verse 14. It's a short verse. Um, and, and I'll give you context in a moment. Paul writes to the church of Philippi, nevertheless, you've done well that you shared in my distress. Paul, as he writes this, he is sitting in a Roman prison. He's, he's under house arrest. What, what you may or may not know about this, this time is that it wasn't like today where as you're a prisoner, they're making sure you're taken care of. Hey, we, we're gonna give you fresh clothes. We're gonna make sure you get three square meals a day. But as a prisoner, you're responsible for you. So you better have someone that loves and cares about you enough that they're gonna bring you some food to eat. They're gonna bring you some resources because if not, you're, you're on your own. And Paul writes in the church of Philippi who would would have brought him a, a great financial gift that would have helped him and sustained him in a very dire time. He writes and he says, the church in Philippi, Philippians 4.14, he goes, man, nevertheless, you've done well. In other words, thank you so much that you shared in my distress. You shared in my distress. While we should, because it's appropriate, take a lot of time to think about and talk about the purpose and plan of God for our life because it is what we should be living unto. Why it, it is important that we take time to talk about the Holy Spirit opening or extending the right hand of fellowship so we can have intimacy with God because we need intimacy with God. We, we need to get revelation and to know the things and be brought into to that inner circle, if you will, to, to be able to receive and to know the things that we can only receive and know in the spirit. Well, those are important. H have you ever just felt like, yeah, but I got some need right now though. I, I wanna live for God's purpose and plan. And I definitely want to be more like intimate with God, but life is really challenging right now. Life is really difficult right now. Have you ever illogically felt alone before? In, in re recent days, I don't mean like this week, but in recent days, last months, years, 
I've, I've, I've told my wife, it makes no sense. I just feel alone. It makes absolutely no sense because I'm not alone. Because I got friends and family and people all around me that love me and care about me and support me. But I just, I just feel alone though. You ever felt like the pressure of life just starts to mount? That, that the, 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 the burdens of life, the circumstance, the situation, things just start to squeeze, if you will. And even though you know you're not alone, something in you, you feel a sinking sensation that I just, but I feel alone though. I feel like, well, I know they get it. They don't really get it. Well, well, well I know that they're, they, they want to help me and love me and pray for me, but they can't give me what I need. I wonder if we feel that way because we are looking for people to do only the Holy Spirit can do. See, I, I think back to the, the encounter Jesus had with his disciples where he said, listen, you're kind of sad and you're at a loss because I'm leaving. I promise you it's better. I promise you it's better. That I, how could it be better that you leave? You have been our everything for three years. You've been, you've been right next to us. It wasn't just the, like the miracles, Jesus, but it was the times where we, we felt like we were just at a loss. Something about your presence brought us peace and comfort. That we, we, I can't put a price tag on that. Something about your presence, Jesus, gave us internally what we, what do you mean? You're, he goes, no, it's better that you leave. The Bible says this, John 14, 16, I believe it is. And I will pray the Father, he will give you another helper, another helper that he may abide with you forever. Proverbs 18, 24. I love this scripture. It says, a man who has friends, must he himself be friendly? In other words, you may be the problem. A man who has friends, gotta be friendly. I, I, and if this is you, I'm so sorry if it's offensive. I love the person that like comes in last minute, keeps their head down, sits by themselves, leaves as soon as we say them. They're like, I just, no one at church is friendly. I don't know. Maybe it's that you are not very friendly when you come to church sometimes. He says, but, but there is a friend. There is one who sticks closer than a brother. There is one who even when you are faithless, he remains faithful. It's not talking about, about your best friend. That's talking about Jesus and the spirit of God. He who has friends must be friendly. There's one, even when you are not friendly, even when you are faithless, even when you are at your lowest, that he sticks closer than a brother. Jesus said, I'm sending you my spirit and he will abide with you forever. I wonder if we put too much expectation on other people sometimes. And the reason we feel alone, the reason we feel like we're, we're at odds, it's because we're looking for someone to do what only the spirit of Jesus can do. Paul says, I want you to be strong and confident and constant in the grace of our Lord Jesus. Oh, thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you, I'm standing in it today that all that I have need of is freely available. I want you to be strong and constant in the love of God. Oh, thank you, God, that I'm a son of the Most High God in whom you are well pleased. But my, my, my son, my daughter, but 
don't neglect the communion, the fellowship, the day-by-day intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit because you can't do it without Him. He's the one that's going to keep drawing you into intimacy with me. He's the one who's going to walk with you. I'm not walking with you, but He is. He's the one who's going to walk with you every single day and partner with you and help you and enable you. And he's the one who who will bear responsibility for you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He, He knows the need you have. He knows where your marriage is. He knows where your kids are. He knows your fear. He knows your insecurity. And he bears responsibility for you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. We must have communion, fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Brandon, how in the world do I do that? I'll read you this last scripture. We're going to pray and we're going to be done because I know our time is, is leaving us quickly. But Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone will hear my voice, I wonder this morning if you hear his voice. I wonder this morning if you can hear his voice, if you can hear his knock. Anyone who will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and dine with him. It it was disconnected, I promise you. I did not have this thought until this very moment. This is why we need the Holy Spirit. But maybe that's why we took a second We talked about lingering because you miss you miss out when you're not willing to linger longer than you have to. I don't mean I don't I don't have you don't have to for sure. Absolutely you don't have to. But but when you linger longer than you have to, something happens thinking about Luke 24 and I just the picture in my heart Jesus goes I'm, I'm, are you guys good hey may the grace of our Lord Jesus and the love of God you got grace you know I love you are, are you good and I wonder how many of us were like yeah man good good walk see ya I want to be like these two men that go actually we're we'd like to keep talking a little bit if you don't mind I don't know, sir, I don't know where if you, if, if you have somewhere to be, but, but I, you want to have dinner? But will you, you know what's interesting? And I promise you we're done. What's interesting is the Bible says that when they got revelation, it was him. That they're sitting there going, how did we miss it, man? Our hearts were burning within us on that road, just like they burned within us when we were with him. How did we not realize and recognize it was him? Their hearts were burning. They were experiencing the presence of Jesus and they didn't even realize it. And they're like, actually, we haven't felt like this since we were with him. If you don't mind, sir, it, we, we'd love to keep talking. I think sometimes we just don't realize it's him. We don't recognize he's here. It's him. He's knocking at the door of our heart. And if we would but linger and wait, say, Holy Spirit, come in and dine with me. 
This morning, as I get ready for work, Holy Spirit, come. I need your I need your fellowship today. I need communion with you today. Would you stand up on your feet where you are, Lord? Today, we pray that you would help us. Help us, Lord Jesus, to linger longer than we have to. Help us, Lord Jesus, to recognize and realize when our hearts burn within us that it's you, it's your spirit, it's you knocking at the door of our heart. Oh, help us, God, to not be hurried Christians. Help us, God, to not be rushed Christians. That we're so in a hurry and we're so in a rush that we feel confused about the fellowship of the heart. It's not confusing. It's relationship. And I pray this morning that, God, you would give us not only insight and revelation into the scripture, but Holy Spirit, as our hearts burn within us, would you help us to open the door and when we begin to experience the fellowship, the communion of your spirit every single day. Can we just take a moment and can, can we together just close with this worship chorus? Maybe take just a moment to linger longer than we have to and say, Holy Spirit, I don't want to be done until you're done. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.